The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, good to be on with you. We did it, stepped in for a, a show earlier this week. It wasn't a prospect pod. We did touch on uh, Shane Bieber making his debut today, a few others, but uh, back to exclusive focus on prospects in this show. And we'll start with one at the big league level who was dealt a Significant blow, really bad news for Alex Reyes in his first start back. Leaves, abbreviated outing, now diagnosed with a significant lat strain, going to miss more than a few starts. Uh, It's going to be more than a couple starts, they said. So tough break for him after such a long layoff. And given the significance of the injury, you know, sounds like he could be out maybe until like August or something. I don't know. I mean, that's speculative, but... Sounds like an extended absence is in store. Is it time to start looking at Alex Reyes through a different lens and uh, looking at him as a guy that we have to constantly worry about the health moving forward? 
I don't know about that. I, I mean, it's a different lens for redraft leagues, obviously. I mean, I think you can probably cut bait with him in a lot of formats right now, uh, assuming you don't have a DL spot to stash him on. I What did you think about the way the Cardinals handled him uh do you do you think they deserve to be second guessed at all for bringing him right back into the rotation? Do you think they deserve to be second guessed at all for the way they handled him in that specific start? Huh. I don't know, man. That's tough. I I don't know if I can really second guess the decision because he was just so dominant in that rehab assignment. Maybe they could have given him more minor league starts and maybe done the build up process a little bit more gradually, but um, I don't think it was wrong to put him in the rotation given how dominant he looked. It was still a matter of, you know, of course there's going to be an innings limit. I just didn't think the start-to-start workload would be a big concern with his for his health. Turns out that that wasn't the case. Do you think uh, they deserve some, some flack there? Uh, I think I think in that specific start, they should have taken him out as soon as he had that velo dip Mm. because he uh believe he was like 92 on a pitch then they went out and talked to him and then you know mike maddox went out there and talked to him and everything and they let him stay in and then his next pitch was like 96 but he was just clearly overthrowing so i i think they should have probably taken him out and just erred on the side of caution as as soon as that velo dip was apparent i know that was a big game and everything for them and i'm sure he wanted to stay in but um you know it's not a not a great look now but um i don't think that this has to be something that follows him like some sort of injury bug type of label or anything i just think that realistically they shouldn't try to get much out of him this season and just let him have that whole off season and try to come back, you know, even stronger in 2019. I I think that you can still all the type of like upside and everything that we've been kind of projecting on this guy for a while. I think that all is still there. It's just, you know, now there's just going to be an even bigger layoff between him handling any kind of sizable workload. So um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing because it's like yeah, the plan was to build him up, you know, a little past a hundred this year. Now it's like, well, what does the workload look like for next year if he doesn't build up much this season? Do you think he gets to even like 140, 150 next year? You know, I think that they were trying to. Well, I guess you know, I might even second guess the way they were handling him this year. I'd, I mean, they went out like publicly and sort of said there were no restrictions. I know that internally they probably did have some restrictions. I just don't know why they were being so kind of uh, careless. Care- like, not, yeah, I mean, just kind of like, really, yeah, sort of reckless almost. I mean, you you have this sort of extremely prized asset. You have all this starting pitching depth in your organization. Like, I just don't get what the you know incentive was to to rush him in this manner i still i mean i part of the reason i'd been predicting him coming back as a reliever this year is because i just thought that made the most sense um and then i think everyone including myself to some degree everyone just kind of got you know overwhelmed by the numbers he was putting up on his rehab assignment and um i don't know i, I mean his stock is definitely down obviously in, in dynasty leagues i 
haven't updated my top 400 probably not going to update my top 400 till after the draft but uh he would be probably in the 20s late 20s probably for me now um and he was kind of in the mid teens but a lot of that's just you're not going to get you can't really count on anything the rest of this season so that that dings him right there i mean every everyone that gets hurt for an extended period of time especially if if you're a pitcher you're going to move down the rankings um i think this is really good news if you own jack flaherty really good news if you own luke weaver and you know i think that that kind of takes a lot of the guesswork out of what the cardinals rotation is going to look like rest of season yeah and you mentioned you know the draft has been your primary focus that will be our primary focus on this show as well because the big day is coming man monday already you and i are going to be in office monday night uh you've written up a lot of notes beforehand we'll be editing those in, in real time and kind of changing things up based on where they land but uh, that'll be fun. Looking forward to that and definitely follow along at Rotowire as the draft goes down for fantasy implications of those picks. Um, but before we move on to draft talk and your latest article, I just want to touch on a few other prospects coming up to the big leagues. Dennis Santana got the call to the Dodgers. Sounds like he could start Sunday in place of Kenta Maeda. It is a rough landing spot, though. Sounds like it's at Coors Field. Um, but is Santana guy who has the skills to maybe stick? Uh, maybe, um, I think this is, you know, a little quicker than I would have expected him to arrive and they're not, you know, they're not going to have an opening in that rotation for all that much longer. So it could end up being sort of a spot start. Uh, he was already, I believe he was already on the 40 man roster, um, Maybe not, but he, you know, I think this just kind of made sense based on, you know, get a look at him, see how the stuff plays against big league hitters. He was a guy that went from kind of almost a a lock reliever sort of in August of last year to a guy that added a third pitch. I believe he added a slider maybe uh, or a cutter, Um, but he then all of a sudden, you know, last four or five starts of, of 2017 and then into this year started to look more and more like a legitimate starting pitching prospect. He's a uh, converted position player, um, throws really hard, good size, uh, would be quite a, quite a story if the Dodgers were able to turn him into a legitimate big league starter. I still think there's some relief risk and um, wouldn't be surprised really by any outcome in Sunday's game. I think that there's a chance that he goes out there and really deals and there's a chance he just gets uh, kind of a welcome to the big leagues moment from the Rockies, but um, someone that I think is worth grabbing and in deeper leagues and leagues where you can pick up a guy now and start him for that, that Sunday game, like our our stake league, you could could scoop him up, plug him in, get that start. Uh, I mean, you'd have to, even in a league that deep, I think to start him, at cores take some cojones. Yeah, I mean we've we've seen guys like Freddie Peralta go in there and and have success. Different pitchers, obviously. I think. Um, I mean, they're actually they're not that all that different though. Um, I think Santana's going to throw a lot of fastballs in that start. Uh, the Rockies' offense is just not scary at all. The it's you're worried about the ballpark. You're not worried about the the individual offense though. Yeah, that's a good point. What about Dylan Cousins? He's gotten the call to replace Reese Hoskins, who has that fractured jaw. 
tough timing for him, especially given the slump. Uh, would have been nice to see him kind of start to shake out of that. But now on the DL, I, mean, I know Cousins has some pretty significant pop. He had a 40 homer year uh, on the farm, I think at double A. But what are the flaws in his game? Uh, below average hit tool. You know, I mean, I think even like a 40 would maybe be generous on his hit tool. He's got just gigantic holes in his swing. Big power, but, you know, we've seen this profile just completely flop many times. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Stephen Moya back with the the Tigers org where it was like, well, he's got a ton of power, but it's like, yeah, but that's literally all he has. So maybe he comes up and is able to hit some home runs in a really small sample, but over the long haul, the batting average damage he's going to do is going to outweigh any kind of positives you get from the power. Interesting, yes. Pretty much an NL-only consideration for the time being. Um, James, we know that your pick is going to be Vlad Guerrero Jr. for the next guy to get called up. It's going to be the case until he does get the call, and then you're going to see if you can get on a roll. But any other prospects you think may be on the verge of a promotion? I don't really have anything. I've just not really been focused at all on the minor leagues over the past couple of weeks. So, I mean, it would just be kind of pulling something out of my ass. I think, uh, That's fine. you know, there's, there's some guys to keep an eye on as the July or as the super two date passes. Like I think Luis Urias is an option that could get the call. Obviously the, the Tampa Bay Rays guys are, are both presumably going to be up in mid June. Um, Bowers, I mean, Bowers was never called up, so I guess they could call him up first week of June. But with Adamas, since he's already been up, they might wait till like June 10th, June 11th, 12th, something like that. I see. I'm still holding out hope that Austin Riley maybe gets the call pretty soon. By the way, good thing that Acuna avoided a serious injury. Uh, really big news. Sounds like best-case scenario for him. Franklin Barreto is up, but not really playing at all. And I know he's fallen a little bit in your rankings. He has the red arrow next to him but he's a guy that i just continue to be frustrated with i mean the usage has been frustrating but him too with the performance uh just hasn't lived up to expectations especially at triple a this year 228 350 447 you know on base number is pretty solid but uh just hasn't panned out to this point i mean definitely getting some fatigue as a prospect now and i mean we'll see but i could see him continue to slip down your your prospect rankings uh, moving forward. But James, your latest article up on the site, looking at the top prospects for the MLB draft, which is coming up again Monday. But uh, this is, you know, look through a, with a lens of a fantasy value, expected fantasy value, correct? Yes. Nice. So you have Jonathan India as number one. Where do you expect him to go in the draft? Is he a top 10 type of player? Yeah, he's been a lot of the kind of rumors are sort of in that uh, four to seven range. Um, I I saw him get, uh, man, was it the Jonathan Mayo mock where Mayo posted a mock uh, a day or two ago where your your Reds were ending up with Jonathan Ooh, India. So could get behind that. I mean, if if there's one thing you guys need, it's another third baseman with with a special bat. <laughs> What do we, I mean, you have here 3B, 2B shortstop. Is middle infield pretty much out of the question at maturity? Uh, no. I mean, I think he's uh, 
he's going to be capable of playing of competent third base, competent second base. Some people think that there's a chance he could handle third or a shortstop, but um, I don't think I don't think that really makes sense. And once he gets into pro ball, I think the bat plays anywhere. So just wherever you think he's going to be the best defender. I mean, he could be a plus defender, maybe at third base, maybe at second base. So, um, and then obviously depending on what organization takes him and where the, that hole is, cause he's going to move quickly uh, as long as, I mean, the, the big thing with India is just, is this junior year he's having at Florida legit? If it is, I think he's the best fantasy asset in this class. That's why I have him ranked number one, but he was kind of mediocre, uh, well, not mediocre. He was he was just kind of okay as a freshman, a sophomore at Florida. So if for whatever reason, maybe this junior year was just a, a you know him catching lightning in a bottle. Maybe he doesn't move that fast. But if he's as good as I think he is, he's going to be up at some point next season if he goes to a team where they can uh, find a fast track for him. So John and Jonathan India, what has you buying into this junior year? I mean, what is fueling this he, breakout? It's him? just he's putting up absurd numbers against the best college pitchers out there in the sec uh it's it's really impressive just as many walks as strikeouts um he's got just a really kind of violent swing that just is going to generate some pretty crazy exit velocities i think once he gets into pro ball uh the the thing that i i kind of take issue with on some of the scouting reports on him and and why i'm higher on him than some other people are is he gets kind of labeled as like you know 50 power maybe 55 power i just think that you know at some point we have to look at the track record of guys that sort of fit this mold and just accept that if you're this good of a hitter and you hit the ball this hard it's going to be plus power like I, i think people sell the power short and um, it, you know, it might not be 35 homer power, but I think it's going to be like 25 to 32 homer power. And maybe if he ends up in a place like Great America, it could be 35 homer power. So um, it's just hard. It's hard to find any kind of holes in his offensive game this year. And, and what separates him from a lot of these other guys that have, uh, you know, guys like Alec Baum uh, who have similar grades on their hit tool is that he's doing it well not only is he doing it against the best competition in college baseball but he's doing it while being a guy that could be an asset defensively a guy that could play you know maybe second base maybe third base play it well whereas a lot of these other guys especially the college bats in this draft they're just big big red flags about their defensive home and to me that just kind of puts so much pressure on the bat that it adds a layer of risk that's not there with india Interesting. So when you do your overhaul, the top 400 post-draft, where do you see India slotting in? I think he's going to slot in around number 30. Uh, Kind of have mapped out where I think all these guys are going to slot in. And uh, yeah, I think think there might be two guys that slot into the top 50, maybe around 10 guys that slot, slot into the top 100. So I think I think thirty is a, a pretty fine landing spot for the best prospect in any draft. Nice. Well, quick note, fantasy baseball fans: the season is underway, and with baseball season comes FanDuel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball. No matter what you're looking for, FanDuel the most 
the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind, something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from starting at just 25 cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. James, we had our final Rotowire Baseball Championship qualifier. I think that was the final one for the public last night. Uh, how'd you end up doing? Uh, I was top half. I didn't. I don't think I cashed. I I was kind of happy with the way my lineup played out. I it, like. It, or, I mean, I think I made the right decisions. Some guys just didn't quite come through the way I was expecting, like Trevor Story, Mike Trout. Like I kind of needed those I guys. Trout too. I needed those guys to do a little bit more. I ended up going with Ross Stripling, which was fine. Um, that nice. was probably a pretty decent play given the price and what he did, but needed needed some of my expensive bats to come through, and they just didn't quite do it. Yeah, same. I had Paxton too. He was a little disappointing. Um, I think I finished like in the 30s, which was pretty bad, but – Got a couple top five finishes, as I know you do, so looking forward to that final tournament at the end. Uh, but you guys can play on FanDuel. You can try tons of different product variations, smaller rosters, NL, AL only. Truly something for everyone. Play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. We'll help you give which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on Fandle. Just visit Fandle.com slash RW, void where prohibited. I do hope the Reds end up with Jonathan India. Uh, by the way, just getting a break from Tom Brenneman. You know, he's too big league to go down to Arizona for that for that series. It's just nice to get a Tom Brenneman break. Um, whoa, ho, ho, cowboy. <laughs> I can just hear him, Jonathan India. Boy. <laughs> But Casey Mize, number two on your list. Um, we talked with... Um, oh, actually, just quickly, while we're talking Reds. I mean, I know people love it when we talk Reds here. Oh, yeah. uh, I had a reader ask, like, are you going to... Like, do you ding guys that go certain places? And he was like... One of the examples he used is like, I might be out on... I like these pitchers, but I might be out on them if they go to the Reds. Like... Mm-hmm. I don't really no, think it just feels the park either, right? No, I I don't I mean there are plenty of parks that are about as bad as Great America. Like I mean it's not Coors Field. I I don't really think that they're I don't think it's been an organizational failure necessarily that guys like Amir Garrett and Robert Stevenson haven't worked out. I kind of put the onus on the player there. What about you? Yeah, they the track record though in recent years of developing pitching has been pretty bad. I mean Especially starting pitching. I mean, obviously Cueto worked out well, and Luis Castillo's looking really good, but um, they haven't really developed many good arms. That could be put on the front office, though. They haven't really brought in many good arms. They, you know, the return for Cueto, Brandon Finnegan, I don't really blame on the development. Right. The, I, the I think they've coaches. just brought in a lot of guys where I've been like, oh, he's he's a reliever. Mm-hmm. Like at a certain point in the development where I was just kind of, I think I'm out on this guy as a starter. Yeah, I'm blaming like the coaches and the, the development staff on a guy like rookie Davis. <laughs> no, no. And if you, if you take a picture of the fifth pick in the draft, uh, maybe that would be kind of your best test case or maybe like Hunter green's going to end up being a good test case. But like 
there's no pitcher that I would expect to go fifth overall in the draft where I'm just going to be like, Ooh, he's, he's a red. I can't, can't get behind that anymore. I, I think that there, there's only a few spots where if a pitch, like if a pitcher goes to the Rockies, obviously you ding them pretty hard, but for the most part, I don't really factor that in. So I was saying that we had Jim Callis on the XM show last week talking about the draft and check that out last Saturday. If you missed it, really good insight from him. And he seemed to think that it would be Casey Mize going number one, if I recall. Um, you say here that there, there has been some debate recently about whether that should actually uh, be the choice with number one, Casey Mize. What do you think? I think it would be stupid if the Tigers didn't take him. Um, there's just a lot of people picking apart. Like, I don't really, I don't really mind that he's got a uh, unorthodox delivery. Like, if a guy throws strikes, I don't really care about the delivery. Like, how many times have we seen guys that had bad deliveries go on to be great starting pitchers? I mean, it happens all the time. Um, and how many times have we seen guys with perfect deliveries go on and get like career-threatening? injuries i mean that that happens all the time too i mean casey mice might casey mice might have the best command in this draft he's also got the best arsenal in the draft he it just on paper i mean he looks like a kind of a slam dunk number one starter i think he could be this time next year i think he could be pitching in a big league rotation so i mean he's going to move incredibly quickly as long as he can stay healthy he's he could even be assigned to like double a as soon as he signs like that that's kind of how advanced he is so not the number one guy for me for fantasy, but it's really close. He'd, he'd be a top 50 prospect after signing as well. Nice. Xavier Edwards, middle infielder from North Broward Prep uh, High School in Florida. Uh, not not a big guy at all, 5'10", 155, but uh, does the bat play pretty well despite the size? Well, I mean, this is this is your type of prospect. You love these guys, um, the, the the short second baseman. I mean, that's that's right up your alley. That's, that's me, man. <laughs> bring him on the team. Um, he's a guy. This is where the this is where my like fantasy preference list really starts to deviate from where guys are going to go in the draft. Like Jonathan Mayo had Edwards going. In, I'm only citing this because I think it's the most recent mock out there of kind of reputable places. He had Edwards going 35th to the Indians in the in the comp round, uh, which they could still give him a, a big bonus there. But like that's what I mean. That that's how different the draft order is going to end up being from my fantasy rankings from the draft. Uh, he's probably got the most. Uh, fantasy relevant speed of any player that's going to get taken on the first day it's you know it could be 40 steel speed he's a switch hitter uh i think he's going to hit 270 280 and i think he's going to walk a decent amount like i think he could end up being kind of maybe not i mean Luis Urias is really special given his age and just how good he's been at controlling the strike zone level to level but uh, that's kind of the same sort of thing we're talking about. Like, I don't think uh, Edwards is going to be the guy, the type of guy that like strikes out 16% of the time, walks like 4% of the time. I think it's going to be more kind of uh, maybe strikes out 15, 16% of the time, walks like 7, 8, 9% of the time. Um, so that, that gives me hope that he could, he could be a leadoff hitter, maybe 
even a number two hitter, if he if he is able to kind of outshoot the power projections, he's he's one of those guys where everyone just sort of says, oh, power might not be coming, but uh, I think we've learned by now to not necessarily put a blanket statement on guys like this anymore, especially when the, the bat to ball is that good. I think my fantasy comp for him is, is D Gordon, but he's more kind of compact than Gordon is like Gordon. You could just look at his body and it's easy to see why he's never going to hit for power, but Edwards is a bit more compact. So you could, you could envision him getting the type of torque to, you know, maybe yank out eight to 15 homers some years, but what you're really buying here is a guy who is, you know, the furthest he's going to fall down to the defensive spectrum is second base. Some people think he can play shortstop. I think he probably ends up at second base, but he could be a plus defender there. And you could get a guy that hits for a high average, hits high up in the lineup and steals 30 plus bases every single year during his prime. And I think that that's uh, a skill set that really shouldn't be slept on, even if he doesn't go in the first 20 picks of the draft. So inside the top 100 or so when you I, I'm going to have him around like 60, 65, something like that. Fourth on your list here, Jordan Adams. And we talked about him being maybe the big X factor here, not only because signability concerns, but also some concerns about the hit tool, but a really, really good athlete. Are your, is your thinking that maybe the concerns over the hit tool are exaggerated with Jordan Adams? Uh, not necessarily. I just think that if he does hit, he's going to be pretty special. Uh, you know, everyone this time last year, I don't think you could find a single person that would have said they thought Joe Adele was a good bet to hit for a high average. People might have said, like, it's it's possible he hits for a high average, uh, but, you know, he's really raw in that aspect of his game, and that's that's part of the reason why he fell to the Angels where he did. And, you know, you're hearing the same stuff about Jordan Adams now. I mean, that, that does just because Joe Adele was better than advertised doesn't mean Adams will be. But uh, there's always a chance that a guy like this is a better hitter, especially once he's done focusing on football and can just commit fully to baseball. Maybe he's able to be like a 50 grade hitter. And if he if he's able to do that, there's just going to be some monster power speed seasons from him. Well, you talked about my love of short second baseman and <laughs> this next guy. I mean, five seven second oh, yeah. baseman, Nick uh, Madrigal. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Madrigal. Uh, Oregon State. I mean, five seven facing an uphill battle. But what kind of skill set does he bring to the table? Well, as you could probably imagine, he's got the best hit tool in the draft. Otherwise, how else would he be uh, rumored to go? I mean, he's he's probably going to go top five. Uh, Phillies is where John Mayo's mocking him third overall, and yeah, you're just it's a batting average play in fantasy. Like he's a guy that could hit three twenty. Uh, the the strikeout to walks really really kind of eye popping right now for him at at Oregon State. Just uh, five strikeouts and twelve walks in. Uh, I think it's around 200 at bats for him or a hundred actually no, 120 at bats, just five strikeouts. So that kind of just tells you all you need to know about the bat to ball ability hitting almost 400 over that span. Um, there's, I don't see with, with Xavier Edwards, who's, you know, he's got three inches on Madrigal. I think there's a chance Edwards 
is able to develop double digit homer power. Uh, and I think part of the reason that I would be more willing to bet on him than Madrigal is he's three years younger. Um, but Madrigal's kind of, he's shown as a college hitter that the power is just probably not coming. Like I, I would be surprised if he ever hit more than 10 homers in a season, but he's a plus runner. So there's another area where he'll be able to contribute. And obviously if the hit tool actualizes, then he's going to be leading off or hitting second. So there's, it's going to be a batting average runs steals type of profile. Sounds a little bit like Jose Altuve light, but Altuve is just such the exception to the rule, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But interesting that you're on him and yeah, batting average prospects, you know, don't grow on trees. So, uh, and that I think is kind of the hardest skill, you know, hitting for high batting average is a skill. And a hard one to find, really. Increasingly hard to find in today's game. Uh, Trevor Larnock. Now, this guy does have the big big body that I really do like. 6'4", <laughs> 205. But he hasn't been able to generate much power yet with that frame. What's your long-term power projection look like? Yeah, he hit three home runs over his first two seasons, but uh, really starting to tap into plus-plus raw power. 17 home runs and 204 at-bats this year at Oregon State. Uh, as you can imagine, for like a a guy that size, there's some swing and miss there, 50 strikeouts in, you know, that's about a strikeout in every four plate appearances for him. But the power is definitely there. It's a really smooth, easy swing. Like you, you can kind of – you can picture him being one of those guys that hits like 275 and carries like a 20, 25% strikeout rate just because when they do make contact, he's just kind of lacing it all over the field, over the fence to, to all fields. Uh, I think one of the one of the big selling points for me with Larnack is that he's a guy that could really move quickly. He's not he's a he's bat first guy all the way, but he's a left fielder. I just don't think wherever he lands, his team's just gonna be like, all right, just go hit hit your way to the majors. Like we we're not gonna try to turn you into some stud left fielder. Like that's that'd be a waste of time. Let's just get your bat to the big leagues. I think he could be one of the you know, first three or four hitters from this class to get there. And obviously that power is gonna kinda carry the day for him. Interesting. Now the aptly named Alex Alec Baum. You say here that he's better in real life, uh, or better seen fantasy than in real life, rather. Uh, a lot of offense, offensive upside, but uh, limited defensively, probably to the first base, you think, long term? Yeah, or DH if, if a AL team takes him. But I just I think it's a dangerous profile. Like, I'm, I have him seventh. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any other person in the – fantasy industry that would have him outside of the top five uh i know uh just did a podcast with our buddy chris welsh and he's got him number two on his board um i just i'm scared of these guys this is kind of becoming one one of my like you know you don't like your diminutive second baseman i don't like guys that hit for I don't know how that got you know put on me by the way well you you no, always you've always hated those guys just second baseman generally yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it's really just second baseman in general yeah i um, guess some self-hating short guy factor in that <laughs> um but that when when a guy's got like power i mean there are some questions about how much the bat really even translates since he's done all this damage 
for Wichita State, not really playing a high level of competition. You know, 339, 436, 625, that's a good line. But for a guy that's probably going to go in the top 10, if you're playing for Wichita State, I think it should be even better than that. Like, I, I think that that slug should be up over 700. Or you, should be, you should be hitting closer to 400. Uh, and so I, I don't even think it's a slam dunk that the, the bat translates like a lot of people think. And then the fact that he's definitely going to move over to first base, he's a right-handed throwing, right-handed hitting guy that I don't like that pro- profile at first base. Um, he's He could be a bad defender at first base too. It's not like he's going to go over there and be Cody Bellinger. Uh, so I, I just think that the bat has to be as good as advertised for this profile to end up working out. And if he is struggling, you know, at high A or double A, like I just think it's going to be really easy to to fall out of love with this guy. Number eight on your list, Travis Swaggerty, Swaggy T, maybe. Nice. I'm sure I'm the first person to call him yeah, that. How about that? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Good. To, <laughs> good to know. Um, what is your comp on Swaggerty in a best case scenario? Uh, I guess, I guess uh, Andrew Benintendi. If you really want to get super head in the clouds, uh, it's just it's one of those you know college outfielders should be able to stick in center field plus runner maybe plus hitter some power, uh, but that doesn't always work out like that really is basically the scouting report from Adam Hazley uh, a year ago, and that, that hasn't worked out so well. Uh, he's he, he plays at South Alabama, so again, not really facing the best competition. Hitting only 296 at South Alabama, the big selling point with him is that he should be able to lead off because he's always walked way more than he strikes out, you know, he gets graded out as having plus speed, but he's just nine for 14 on the bases this year. I don't really think that's a great sign. He's going to go in the top 10 of the draft, but I think, you know, it's a profile that I think some people think is really safe just because of like the speed, the approach and everything. But, you know, there might just not be a ton there other than that, that K to walk. So kind of a, a bit more risky than I think a lot of people are, are letting on. Very nice. Uh, number nine here, Nolan Gorman, third baseman out of O'Connor High School in Arizona. You think he has the the power to stick it at third, but what about the, the defensive chops? He's got more power upside than anyone in the draft. Uh, easy 70, maybe even, maybe even 80 grade raw power when it's all said and done. Uh, but, you know, I don't really like where his body's at for an 18 year old, six foot one, 210 pounds. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really yeah, like that. Uh, more, more weight than Larnick and he's right. You know, three inches. Short. Yeah. You want a guy to be able, especially a high school guy, you want him to be able to grow into his body a little bit. Well, Gorman's already grown into his, so maybe you get him into a, a pro kind of conditioning environment and you're able to, uh, you're able to really kind of get that in check. I mean, I definitely wouldn't rule that out. And if you are able to get his weight in check, then maybe there's a better chance he sticks at third base. But the big question for me is just how much is he going to hit? I think that there's, you know, he's already, there's, there's some concerns about his ability to hit decent breaking balls right now. And so I think, uh, I think there's definitely a chance that, 
he's just doesn't hit enough in terms of batting average to get to that power. And if he's scuffling and, and, you know, striking out like 35% of the time hitting 210 or whatever in, in rookie ball after signing, I think his stock's going to come way down. He's another guy like bomb where I'm probably the low man on just because I, the hit, the hit tool kind of scares me. And the fact that he might move to first base or move to DH, that just puts all that more pressure on the hit tool. So I, I get why it's easy to fall in love with the power. Like if, if everything clicks and he hits, you know, if he, if he develops like a 50, 55 hit tool, then he could be Josh Donaldson. I mean, that that's, that's the kind of power we're talking about, but I think there's just a ton of risk here. Now, number 10 here, this uh, kid right up here in our neck of the woods. Is it Jared Kelnick? That seemed to be how Jim Callis was pronouncing Kalen- it. Kalanick? Okay. Kalanick? Kalanick. That's how I thought it was Kalanick, but we'll figure it out soon enough. Anyway, we were th- thinking about maybe going to see him in action. Turns out he already graduated, and the, the winter has been kind of just pitching in, you know, controlled environments. Um, he has shown well, though, in the showcase circuit, and seems like you're pretty optimistic that even though the – competition that he's faced uh, in high school hasn't been great that you know the skill sets uh you know real you're buying it uh, to a certain extent i think that the his top tool at least what will be his top tool if he works out by the time he gets to the big leagues is going to be his hit tool and i think you know there's reason to believe it's going to be you know at least above average but I think there is some risk, you know, if he's, you know, everyone thought Mickey Moniak had a 70 grade hit tool. And if it's not what we think it is, and he only hits like 250, 260, there might not be another plus tool there. I think he's a borderline plus runner right now, but by the time he gets to the big leagues, I don't think he will be. So I think there's, there's some risk here too. Uh, I don't, I mean, we're, we're only in the top 10 here and I'm already kind of crapping on all these guys, but, um, you know, it's, it's investing in prep hitters, prep pitchers. I mean, it's, it's risky business. Uh, he baseball's could, just hard, man. Yeah, I mean, the bus really rate, hard, yeah. bus rate on these guys is yeah. go look incredibly at, high. Go look at the top 10 from any recent draft and, and you'll have to get back all the way to like 2011, that historic class till you get to one where most guys hit. Hmm. Uh, it's usually, I mean, even, even now with all the tools we have at our disposal, it's still like 50-50 in the top 10. Yeah, um, and baseball teams have even more tools available to them. Like, yeah. So, I mean, such an inexact science. Yeah, it was just, it was literally two years ago that a team took Mickey Moniak first overall. And <laughs> like the, the Houston Astros took Mark Appel over Chris Bryant. Like yeah. the, this is really hard. Uh, the Reds took what, Nick Howard in the first round four yeah, years ago. Yeah, good, good luck. Telling <laughs> telling us anything about Nick Howard? I mean, yeah, what a. Non- I know he gave up a couple bombs in an AFL start. That's the last I heard from. Oh, nice. Was, uh, was so, he throwing BP or was he in, was he pitching in the game? <laughs> it was he was pitching in the game, but it was effectively <laughs> BP. Uh, you mentioned that we're already kind of to a point where there's a lot of flaws in these guys, but we will run down the rest of the list. Then I'll let you kind of pick and choose, um, point out some key factors with some of these guys if you want to. Uh, Carter Stewart. Right-hander out of Florida, number 11, Cole Wilcox, number 12, Matthew Matthew Libertor, 13, Gordon uh, Groshans, Groshans? Jordan Groshans. Groshans. Got it on the second try. Ethan Hankins, 15, Brady Singer, 16, 
Jeremiah Jackson, 17. Nick Schnell, number 18. Cole Wynn, 19. Then finally, number 20, Jackson Cower. Uh, all these guys, you think, in the top 400, or some of these is going to get cut off? Yep. Uh, by the time we get down to like 19 and 20, we're talking about guys that are going to probably slot in around 300. So maybe you're going to get 30 or so, 35 guys from this draft in the top 400 right away. I mean, the back, you know, we'll, we'll start populating that, that 300, 400 range pretty liberally at that point because it's just, you know, you're not, not having to beat a ton back there. But, uh, you know, it's Brady Singer's guy that's probably going to go top five. I have him down at 16 just because I think that they're – I'm a little concerned about his ability to throw strikes. Uh, he's got a kind of an unorthodox delivery, really low arm slot. And I don't, I just, I don't mind when a guy has an unorthodox delivery, but I, with him, I just see him missing the zone a decent amount, a little bit worried about his, his third pitch. So that's why I'm a little lower on him. Ethan Hankins, when he was healthy, had maybe the best fastball I've ever seen from a prep prospect. It's just an insane, just 97 mile an hour with just all kinds of late life uh, but hasn't been the same since coming back from a shoulder injury there are questions about whether he can spin a breaking ball uh my guy kind of in this draft i wish it could be jonathan india but he's gonna be a lot of people's guy uh but cole wilcox is probably the guy that i'm or i guess you could you could say xavier edwards is my guy just because of how high i am relative to where he's gonna get drafted but you know cole wilcox is a guy that uh, right-handed pitcher, six foot five, two twenty, prep arm from Georgia. Really, really muscular. Kind of already kind of maxed out his body, which you know I wouldn't normally like. Except the stuff's already good. Like you don't need to project an extra couple of mile an hours on the fastball or anything. Like he's got a plus changeup. He's got a, at least an average slider that that might be able to be a plus pitch in time. I just I love the repertoire that he's got i think he could really move quickly love the frame for handling a big workload all of his stuff really moves his fastball's got a a ton of movement on it uh so that's that's kind of my sleeper of the guys that might you know on other sites you might see as kind of borderline top 20 top 25 guys i I think cole wilcox has a chance to be really good awesome well we really appreciate your insight as always check out james's latest article for yourself the full write-up Farm Futures, top 20 draft prospects up on the site now. com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. And use that trial to check out James's pick-by-pick real-time analysis on draft night, night one. And we'll continue into day two of the draft as well. Looking forward to that, James. It should be a fun night in the office. We'll have to get a pizza or something and I'll just plug away. And hopefully the Reds... Uh, Get get some more hey, stock on the farm. You'll be able to talk yourself into whoever they take. Oh, of what so of the Might guys order a jersey. of the guys that so like you know the guys that could go in that range. Casey, well, Casey might as well be there. Um, like Nick Madrigal, uh, Brady Singer, Jonathan India, Alec Baum, Matthew Liebertor. Is there a guy that you like really don't want them to end up with that bunch or are you going to be able to just talk yourself in no matter what? Yeah, I'll probably talk myself in. I mean, bomb would be the worst case scenario though, just because, you know, Votto's still locked in Mm -hmm. for many years. Um, I just think that'd probably be a bad, do you want batter arm? Probably bat, even though, man, their arms, but if they don't get my, like, 
I don't want them reaching down for a, a lesser guy when they're passing up on a quality bat. Like, who's the next best arm? Um, they, they're in a. They're just not going to be able to draft for need on the position player side, though. Really, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the one kind of bummer. Is like, like Madrigal'd be cool, India'd be cool, but it's like, well, where where does that guy play? Uh, so it's. Yeah, I guess that, and then the, you, I, I wouldn't really be pumped about any of the pitchers that are going to be there in that range. Um, so just yeah, uh, get a guy, get some get some ammunition. Can never have too much talent, I guess. Yeah, that's true. You have Carter Stewart as your second best starter, but is that or best arm? Is that the kind of the consensus, or is there? Uh, I think he might be like it's kind of between him and Libertor for the best prep arm as a consensus, and then. Brady Singer is probably going to be the second pitcher to get taken, um, just because he's a college arm and he's got a. God, if they do that, pretty long track. I could totally record. see that, <laughs> just because he's a college guy. Need that help? Ew. Need it? Need to get him there quick. That'd be so disappointing. <laughs> anyway, appreciate it, James. Uh, we got our next entry into the top hip hop collabs countdown lists. I'm going with a song that you've already had on your list, Oh No, nice. by Most Def, Pharaoh Monch, and Nate Dogg. <clears throat> by the way, I need to get that to our SiriusXM producers, because that's like the perfect like interlude song. Oh, yeah, just the, the comeback from commercial. Yeah, it's a great beat. Um, R.I.P. Nate Dogg, of course, and we've talked about Pharaoh Monch and how he's really underrated and really comes through, kind of his shining moment on that track. But uh, what do you got this week, James? I have, and, you know, unfortunately, this isn't going to be able to go on the uh, Spotify list because it's a Jay-Z song and, and his stuff oh, isn't no. on Spotify, but uh, Reservoir Dogs off of uh, Volume 2, Hard Knock Life, featuring The Locks, all three members of The Locks, Beanie Siegel and Sauce Money. Um, it's just kind of one of those classic, like, mid-'90s, you know, six guys get a verse off of a beat with no oh, hook, yeah. that type of thing. Uh, you know, a I lot love of the no hook. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just straight fire after yeah. fire. Yeah, verse. Just yeah. too much fire for a hook. Like we don't, we don't have time for a hook. Um, it's the Wu Tang mentality. Exactly. Uh, you know, Jadakiss kills it. This isn't the last time Jadakiss is going to appear on this list for me. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm definitely biased. I think Jay Z probably finishes it off with the best verse, but um, you know, really it's one of those songs where I learned it word for word, probably when I was like 10 or 11 years old and probably could still do it close to word for word. Um, just listen to it that much. And, you know, it's one that I definitely still play to this day. Very nice. By the way, I don't know what, just the rap conversation reminded me about this Drake and, uh, push a T beef. Now I haven't really bought many new albums lately, bought Raekwon, um, Devin, Wu-Tang's album, The Tribe Called Quest, uh, a couple years ago now, but I think I'm going to have to jump in and, and give this push a T a listen because I've never been a big Drake guy, and from what I'm hearing, uh, he's spitting some some pretty fire verses. Uh, the first song off of his new album, uh, If You Know You Know, is just, so much fire. Yeah. Um, I would I would really recommend listening to that. I wasn't as high on the rest of the album. 
Um, but it's a, it's only seven tracks, pretty easy to get through that. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's a really hot track. I really wanted to find a way to get some clips into this mix. I had a couple of clip songs that, that just missed the cut of the top 20, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, <sighs> hip hop beefs, I mean, they're fun, like to a certain extent, but, um, it seems like, Seems like Pusha T's maybe getting a little too personal on this one, but oh really? I don't know. What? Crossing a line. Well, I, I don't really know much about it. I just never been a big Drake guy. I know, I know, yeah. Um, I I'll I'll stand up for a couple of Drake's first albums, but I he hasn't put anything out in the past like seven or eight years that I've had any time for. So it's not even sniffing your list. Oh hell no. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Um, <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, I can't even think of like a good collab he's had. I guess he's done a lot with Wayne, but I really haven't given him much of a chance. That's, you know, an indictment on me too, but it's hard for me to, to get into Drake. But James, we appreciate it. We'll have the next entry in the countdown last week, and I imagine a pretty full review of the draft. Is that what you're wanting to do next week? Yeah, that, that should cover us pretty good. Nice. Well, looking forward to reading all of your analysis there. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Prospect Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.